Good morning, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, could you manage your wardrobe by buying just one piece of clothing a month for a year? Well, we'll hear about somebody who did just that. How to embrace the 2023 colour of the year in your home. And it's a weird one. We'll speak with an Irish company who've introduced tech to help protect property from theft. And Optimised Designs Denise O'Connor will be here to take us through preparing your home for extra guests at Christmas. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106. That'll cost you 30 cent. Or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts up on the Newstalk website or on the app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, um, it's that time of year where we've lots more stuff in the house than we normally would. Gifts and gadgets and gizmos. Uh, and that, of course, can be a boon for thieves too. So later on, I will be very interested in talking to an expert who has come up with a great way of keeping everything a little bit more secure. Uh, It is worth noting, says she with her consumer hat on, that insurance companies around this time of year generally add on 10% more onto your contents insurance for free. I mean, we hardly ever get anything free from an insurance company. So this is one of those things for the six weeks around Christmas because they recognise that you're going to have kind of more stuff and and presents and all that. No, that's no good if you get robbed, but at least you can uh, you can go and put in a a claim for it. But what I'd like to know today is uh, how you keep your stuff from prying eyes. And I'm including here the small ones in the house. Is it the back of the wardrobe? Is it in the boot of the car? Do you give it to a neighbour? And all of that. So I'd be very interested to know how you go about that. And if you have any any funny stories or horror stories about where that may have gone all wrong. We'll look, get in touch with us today, 53106 on the text or the home show at newstalk.com. And you're very welcome along this morning. Now, how would you feel about refraining from any clothes purchasing splurges? Would you be able to buy just one good piece of clothing per month rather than any impulse purchases? Well, my first guest, author Caroline Foran, has just finished a year of doing just that and joins me now on The Home Show. Caroline, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, let's start with old Caroline's wardrobe. Mm. What, (laughs) What did you buy? How often did you buy clothes and where, what kind of places did you shop? I feel like I was so unconscious as a shopper that I can't even tell you like when or where or how often I bought it. It was just like an automatic thing. And I think for anyone who is on social media or has a device at all, most of the shopping now, the impulse kind of shopping happens online. And it's all the triggers coming at you from all angles, from one end of the day to the next. And it's the must-have blazer or the the next, um, you know, must-have bag or something like that. And it's things that you think you be- you believe will will transform your wardrobe, make you into the stylish person you always wanted to be, or actually on a, on a deeper level, like make you feel satisfied and happy. Um, which I think is just, it's an unconscious thing that kind of happens to all of us. Um, so my wardrobe was just spilling over with things that I felt like I had nothing to wear, but you know there was just, there was no kind of thought put into it. Um, and I, I, I couldn't tell you, like, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'd say, I've nothing to wear for a night out and I, I wouldn't even be able to fit them into the drawers. Mm. And were you one of these people now who would find garments with the tags still on them and yes. thinking, I wonder why I bought that colour, what it was supposed to go with? 
Yeah, and, and especially like being the kind of person who say, okay, I'm going to buy these five things from ASOS and, you know, maybe one of them will work and I'll send the rest back. And do you think I ever got around to send them back? Mm. Well, yeah. it sounds like a fairly common story and, you yeah. know, lots and lots of people, especially during lockdown, because we were all forced online, were doing, I think, possibly just that. Now, tell me what changed for you in terms of your mindset. I just kind of came to the realisation on, on a few levels that, um, for one, I, I think we're all becoming more aware of, um, you know, the sustainability element and just bu- buying so many things that are, are either made in, in poor conditions or just contributing to, to damaging the planet overall. Learning about things like how much goes into landfills, like a few of my friends are just very sustainably minded and I'm kind of learning from them all the time. And um, then there was a kind of the impact on my mental health. So I just was feeling the pressure to keep up all the time and feeling like, you know, your value and your worth starts to get attached to, to the way you dress and seeing, you know, these articles and things about like what to wear on the school run, like as if you're supposed to turn up with some sort of curated styled outfit. And I just, I just want to step off that treadmill of feeling the pressure. And um, I wanted to buy, I wanted to save a bit of money as well. Now, I'm not sure I really did that because I think your your brain still looks for other things um, <laughs> to go spending money on, such as air fryers. Um, but yeah, I just, it was, it was a few things together, how it was impacting me, feeling pressure, feeling a little bit anxious really to, to always keep up and feeling like, you know, you need to have the next thing. Um, and yeah, so the money, the way it made me feel and then the kind of wider um, social impact on, on the world. Now, you've written a number of books about kind of finding, you know, your inner self and changing your life. Mm-hmm. Ten Truths to Change Your Life, you published, uh, I know, last year. Uh, and uh, the Confidence Kit. And, and I'm just wondering, is there a lot about that kind of regaining control that is about just that in, in your case? Was it just about my wardrobe feels out of control and therefore I'm a bit haphazard about how I present myself? I think so. I mean, I think I was probably less concerned with how I present myself because, I mean, really, I would just end up wearing the same things all the time. You know, you'd wear, you just circulate around the same few things. And um, it was more like you say, you say, probably an element of wanting to get ahead of myself and be control and be proactive more so than reactive, which I think is always a great way to be if you're someone who is more prone to anxiety. It's to make decisions consciously as opposed to like life just happening to you all the time and getting ahead of yourself. And um, so it was really, it was really a relief to decide to make that decision. And, I, and it was, it wasn't easy. And I know it sounds so trivial. But when there's so many impulses and so many triggers spring at you, like it's really hard, especially with fast fashion, to step away from that. But it made me feel once I made the decision, I felt this sort of relief and this calmness. Like, well, I've made the decision and this is what I'm sticking to. This is what I'm doing. And also vocalizing it and committing to it and writing columns about it and talking about it on social media gave me the accountability. And then it became actually quite a lot of fun to, you know, look forward to an item to buy each month and. Um, to look at my wardrobe with fresh eyes and think, well, how can I put together an outfit from what's already there? Discovering things I had forgotten back of the wardrobe, like you say, with the tags on um, and, and just having more fun with it, really. Mm. And you talk there about triggers. Uh, I mean, mm. what kind of things are you talking about? Is it the sense that when you're scrolling through your yeah. Insta feed, you're, you're getting all these pop-ups because you're liking things that are fashion related? So I went out of my way to try and mute or unfollow a lot of and then this is no disrespect to any fashion bloggers, to be honest, I, I liked their content so much. It was ma- it was making me buy everything. Um, but Instagram, for for example, would still throw up suggested profiles. So it knows kind of what, what's going to trigger you. And it will just, it'll, you'll never not have a news feed full of suggestions, even if you were to mute everything that you followed. Um, so there was that, there's, you know, all the hauls, all of the, the this, this kind of trend of a capsule wardrobe, but it'd be like 25 pieces strong for each season, each, mm. each mid-season. And you're, so it's just, it's the volume of things and and how 
beautifully styled things are that you, you just suddenly look at your old clothes thinking they're not good enough. Um, so it's, yeah, it's mostly social media. And to be honest, I thought like, I thought going into shops, avoiding the shops would be a problem. But when I'm in town, there's so much more effort involved in bothering to try something on. It's just too easy to click. You know, with, with things like Amazon, you don't even have to put in your details. One click to purchase, that kind of thing. So just it's just online, I think, is really, um, and it's bored. But like you mentioned about lockdown, it was looking for that little dopamine hit, that little buzz, that little feeling of something to perk you up. But really, like they, they've looked into it, that, that feeling of getting something new, it lasts. 48 hours and then it's gone again and you're looking for something else so it's it's a habit of looking for being triggered by maybe boredom or feeling a bit low or feeling a bit pressure you know social pressure from what you're consuming online then the the habit itself is, is to go and and in, in search of something and buy it and then it wears off again so it's trying to replace that i guess the trigger is always going to be there but replace it with something else now tell me how then you go about if you're limiting yourself to one purchase a month whether mm-hmm. it's a pair of trousers or a jacket or a top or whatever, how do you go about then planning for that or thinking about it? Or is it just you allow yourself one impulse purchase and then you don't buy for another month? So I definitely didn't have any impulse purchases. I very much, you know, I would I would still be looking online and I'd be making lists. And there's lots of other ways to kind of bring your, your shopping down by saying the 72-hour rule is another good one where you say leave it in your basket for 72 hours and if you still care and you still want it, mm. then maybe it's worth buying, but often that will wear off. So, um, so for me, it was I was all I mean I did so much adding to baskets without committing to it obviously, and I I see how I feel about it after a few days, um, and there'd be things like I would I bought such basic staple stuff that wouldn't you know turn heads because I just wanted stuff I need to make sure it's stuff that I will get such longevity out of, um, so I, de- I definitely put a lot of thought into it, um, and I would really look forward to it, and I you know I and sometimes I guess the months I hadn't made the. Uh, the purchase yet, and then we get quite excited about it. I also I followed this girl on Instagram called Tess Montgomery, and she's really brilliant in that in, in a world of fast fashion where, and I get it because like the fast fashion is what makes all the fashion influencers money, and it's it's hard to say no to that. But she is just completely going against that trend, and she's I think she might have been the person who started the hashtag one item a month, and she maintains that if you tot up something you spent in a year when you weren't doing it, and you divide that by twelve, that's technically the budget you have for one item a month. So. With that okay. in mind, you could afford, if, if you have the money to spend, you could afford to buy one really luxurious Good or piece. decent, so, well-made piece. So it wasn't just all about, you you know, saving a chunk of money and by, you know, just spending less. It was really about changing how your wardrobe would look after a year. Yeah, because if you think about it, like we, we really only wear the same few things that all over and over again. Like, mm. so whether it's a really good blazer or a coat, especially in winter, like just really good outerwear, good boots, they're the things that you're going to wear again and again and again. And, you know, I, a lot of my friends are saying, oh, why don't you just, you know, sh- shop in charity shops? But for me, as, as brilliant as they are, if I go into a charity shop, I'm going to be convinced to buy lots of things because it feels like a deal. <laughs> it's Look, cheaper. And I, yeah, I, everything's yeah, a tenner. I, yeah. yeah, so but you I don't buy more. Need it. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I buy this fancy dress, but I actually, I'm not going to get the wear of that. So I, for me, it was more about high quality, decent basics. Now, one of the things you did do, and this is something that I like to do myself, especially if you're going to something a little bit glitzy and a little bit special, and that's to rent mm. uh, clothing. Now, we're right up there with, you know, the Princess of Wales and Carrie Johnson. All these celebrities are doing this at the moment and embracing it. Um, did you find that uh, that made a difference, that, 
you know, that's a, that's a chunk of money kind of saved oh, on buying a slinky black number. Definitely. I think the, the biggest joy of the, the renting is just the idea that you can go and try on things that you maybe never would have thought to try on because you're not committing to them long term. It's just a one day out thing. You can get more confident with your style. And also it's it's now thankfully so cool almost to be able to say, oh, I rented this or mm. I'm actually I mean, I'm being stylish while also being good the planet and to the world and it's it's just like renting is such a brilliant way to do it I, I loved it and I went over to Happy Days in Leopardstown in Dublin I went over so often and there's just such lovely girls over there and I would try on so many things that I never would have committed to buying online and um, I ended up wearing things to, to different events that were just you know it just gave me such a boost I really had fun with fashion again um, and yeah it was just it was really something that people more and more now like all the biggest Celebs in Ireland, especially, are like, "Oh, this is rented, rented, rented," and that's that's almost the way we used to say, "Oh yeah, thanks, I got it for twenty quid and pennies." So we're saying, "Oh, thanks, I rented it." You yeah, know? yeah. And will you will you keep it up for the the twenty twenty three, Caroline? I'm trying to think about another challenge to set myself. Um, I'm because online shopping is, is such a, a big thing for me. Um, and when you're, especially if you're tired or feeling a little bit weak or vulnerable, you just it's too easy to click in. I'm thinking of setting something like where maybe I, I can only buy if it's in person or something like that. I did find it challenging for things like you know if you're if you're going on holidays and you need to get a few bits for in a different climate or um it's 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 not easy to do but uh so I'll, I'll think of something but I definitely I want I wanted the lasting feeling to be one of buying less but better and just be more conscious about it. Okay, well, no doubt you will update uh, all your many, many followers on your podcast, mm-hmm. Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, uh, which is uh, very, very popular in Ireland. Caroline Foran, author and podcaster, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Home Show. Thank you so much. Still to come on The Home Show, we'll be showing you how to embrace the designated colour of the new year into your home. We'll be back in a few moments. Now, Fiva Magenta has been deemed the colour of 2023. But why is it the it colour? and how can you incorporate it in subtle ways into your home? Well, who better to ask than Gary Cohn, Design Director at Cohn Design and friend of The Home Show. Gary, you're very welcome back to the studio. Sinead, how are you? How are you? Good. Now, listen, let me start by saying I was going to ask you, first off, whether you were a fan of Viva Magenta, but given you are wearing a shirt, (laughs) which would appear to be in that colour, I'm taking it as a yes. Yes, it is. And it's a beautiful, it's a silk shirt. So it has, you know, the colour vibrates. I can see. It's very, very vibrant. And, And I would venture you'd have to have a certain personality to get away with a shirt like that? Which oh, let's stop. Like. Anyone can have that shirt. You Anyone. Think? Yes, yes. It's a bit daring. Yes, I'm not going to say that, but come on. Why not? What are you going to do? Die in grey? <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, what, who determines this colour of the year? Well, it's, it's a combination of industries and um, companies that determine this, factors on the environment and what's going on. But uh, if I could break it down really simple, on the money side... People have to manufacture this color in fabrics and everything. So they need about a year out. So you need to promote it so that when you say, I want to buy that magenta shirt, it's already made and it can get into the stores. So the decision is made some time ago for a year that's coming up. That's part one. But part two is... Who is your, your, your environment and who are you doing it for, okay? So they also look at where are we and predicting where we're going to be mentally mm. in about a year from now or whatever. So you could think about they were in the pandemic and they would say, what would it be like when you're getting 
out of the pandemic, how would you want to feel? And it's a risk. They don't always get it right, but they do. There's a lot of research on trying to get it right. So, well, I suppose we should start by describing what the colour is and how it looks, because to me, uh, I when I hear the word magenta, I think of a much darker colour than this one actually is. This is like, for me, a, a kind of a very deep, dark rose pink rather than a, a kind of a burgundy or a wine kind of colour. But would you tell me your description of this Viva Magenta? Yeah, I think you got it right, um, Sinead. So it's this, it's a, it's a pink that has, it's very deep and it has like an overtone to, to soften it a bit or actually bring down a bit. Um, and what the colour reminds me of is like when you go into... Uh, petunias or flowers. They're these deep colored flowers, not the ones that are bright and popping up all over the place. And it's a very sophisticated color. It's a very, and it's also a man-made color, if you didn't know that, that happened in the 1800s when they created this color because it was a hard time making the dye. And as a result, it became this sophisticated color. Oh, okay, because (laughs) it showed that it it was so expensive that only certain people could afford it. At that time, and then it became more um, mass-produced. Now, we've had colours of the year every year, obviously, but 2020, there was a kind of a darker blue. Yes. 2021, this, oh, well, it was like that hazard sign kind of yellow. Last year, a kind of a periwinkle. Yes, yes. How do you think they got from there to here? Well, look, I'm going to say my book, this is my opinion, they they, they did the yellow wrong. Okay, so that's me, them predicting and they just got it wrong. They were trying to be more optimistic, but it didn't work. So... That's just you showing you, yes, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So then going now to after we going through all that, and think about the pandemic, you're all over the place. I, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm happy. But, so colors are a little bit all over the place also. Yeah. They're trying to get, you know, now we're out, okay? <laughs> and it's about optimism. You're wearing this as a projection of you towards the future, not from where you came from. Think about that. Okay, so that magenta colour says to you, optimism, future, bright, sophisticated. Absolutely. on from, from what was in the past. Gary, will all this feature now in pieces of furniture and in clothing and in accessories? Is, is that what happens with this typically? Well, it, it, two things happen. One, I am never a slave to the trend. Okay, I if I like it, yes, I'll use it. Okay, but that doesn't mean that products will be be coming out with this color that I may not have chosen before and be like, ah, you know what, that kind of works. And as a result, it filters in, you see? Yeah, yeah. You begin seeing splashes of it and touches of it. Yes, 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 yes. And it might take off where people love it. That's where you get a trend. Where instead of just a fad, where people like, I really love it. And then it keeps coming in. Mm. And then before you know it, I'm sick of it. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be another one along uh, next Exactly, oh, exactly. Right, okay. <laughs> well, listen, go look it up, folks, if you haven't seen it. It's Viva Magenta, Pantone Colour of the Year. And uh, let us know what you think at 53106 uh, on the show this morning. Gary Cohn, Design Director at Cohn Design. Thanks a million. Thank for you so much, Sinead. all that. 
Now, we're all conscious of protecting our properties, uh, certainly at the moment as the winter months draw in. And my next guest has invented a new way to do just that. Here to tell me all about it is James O'Neill, founder and CEO of Property Marking Ireland. James, very welcome along to the Home Show studio. Many thanks, Sinead. It's good to be here. Now, um, crime prevention, people do worry. They worry about break-ins and burglaries and all that kind of thing, especially in the wintertime and the dark nights. Marking your property isn't going to stop it from being nicked, but perhaps it might make sure that if it's found, it can be reunited. What is it that you do? Okay, so so what we do is we deliver a community-led crime prevention programme in partnership with Angarda Siakana and now many local authorities. So, Sinead, you've got an air code. I do. I even know it. (laughs) Very good. Uh, And that air code is a unique identifier for your address. Mm -hmm. So we have a piece of technology or a property marking machine that can put a permanent mark on your valuables without damaging the item. uh, And that applies to construction, farming, household, across the board. So what does the marking look like? Because I'd be nervous, maybe. I mean, I can see the benefit of it immediately on something like um, at the back of a television or a laptop or something like that. But but what other items? Because if you've got valuables that are maybe older oh. or antique or things so, like okay, that. Okay, very, very good question. So in relation to antiques, in relation to jewellery, in relation to glass, we do not mark. Okay. Uh, so it, it would be, so if we look at the problem we're trying to solve. So we look at construction, about £10 million worth of stolen, of, of, of valuables for it's construction. Like plant and every machinery. year. No, tradespeople with, right. their, with their livelihoods okay. in the back of their vans. So that £10 million is a breakdown as follows. About a third from sites, a third from their vans, and a third from their homes. And so you mentioned the point about the dark evenings, that begins to increase the, the opportunistic thief and the yeah. mobile criminal yeah. gangs. But when we have a downturn in the economy... Bring the two together and now you will see a real spike. So I suppose where this idea came up, so I've worked in community development for 15 years, working very closely in setting up a previous crime prevention programme called mm. Text Alert. And Angarashi O'Connor recover about 28 to 30 percent of all stolen property. However, they can only return about 4 percent to the rightful owner because there's no unique identifier on it. it. It seems shocking like that somebody has had something stolen and I know this can pertain a lot to bikes. Um, they get stolen all the time. The Gardaí locate them and then have no way of getting them back to the original owner. That, that's really pertinent, say, for Dublin and for urban areas. Yeah. So during COVID, we did see an overall reduction in burglaries. But in bicycle theft, it increased by 40%. Right. With a possible underreporting from very many of the cycle clubs of about 30%. So, uh, in fairness, so Angarda Siakana actually purchased one of our property marking machines about six months ago. And I trained up over 40 community Gardaí who every weekend are from, from Swords down to probably Bray, the various different Garda divisions, and people bring their bicycles and have them marked free of charge. So that's a... a a very good service for the Dublin area. Now, tell me about the marking itself. Like, what does it look like? And you say it doesn't damage the item, but, but it has to be visible. You have to be able to see it. It's visible. The uniqueness of the machine is it, it knows the level of pressure that needs to be applied to put a permanent mark. So if we were looking at differentiating between a carbon bicycle and a metal bicycle, mm. well, then the level of pressure for a carbon one would be much less. So it's very discreet. So we mark it so overtly and covertly. Overtly means it's not very obvious, but it's there to be seen. Mm. And then the covert marking would be very tiny in a very discreet place 
that even if I marked your bicycle <laughs> covertly, you mightn't find it. But Angarda Siakana knows those two locations and where to look. Would this be helpful to people maybe who are buying items, maybe tools, as you said, or equipment or bikes off Dundee or off eBay? Can they check themselves if this is marked with an air code and maybe then check the address on the air code finder to check if it's stolen property or if the person actually owns it? Well, I think that our model uh, from this property marking programme improves transparency. Uh, so that let's say you've got your right on lawnmower, we have, you have it marked with, with 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 our marking system. You're going to sell it on. Well, then we the machine can etch out, mm. just x out your your uh, marking and then put the new marking on it. So it, it has the potential to improve uh, transparency. Right. Okay. And is there a cost attached to this? So on one side of the house is a community uh, 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 program. So the local authorities. So we are operating now in twenty one local authorities. We have over. 50 machines in the country uh, and we train community groups up. They take the machine for maybe a a 10 day period, three times a year and they begin the journey of marking property in that geographic area. But here's the other point. We have a combined signage. So if you're entering a rural area or an urban estate, you see a big strong Garda logo, property marking and operation here and that can be the game changer so that you have, because with opportunistic thieves or those mobile criminal gangs, Anything that you can put, increase the fear for them in taking that property mm. will reduce it in the community. Just a deterrent, a bit like the kind of the community watch, you know, the phone watch thing that was on where people text alert, as you said, you were involved, yes, in, that. I was involved so, in that. So it's that for property, really? It, it is. But I think the, the, the other point uh, to say is that our first pilot programme, which is about five years ago now, took place in Monaghan. So Cavan and Monaghan are the same guarded division. We didn't do anything in Cavan. And then Monaghan very kindly purchased the machine gave us funding to put, put signs up mm. right throughout the county. And 14 months later, independently of Property Marking Ireland, but the local chief super through the joint policing committee system reported an 80, over 80% reduction in property theft for all of Monaghan. Right. I hope they weren't all heading across the border to Cavan and doing their robbing there. Well, now they? that incentivise <laughs> Cavan to take on two machines and right. they've brought their... Uh, uh, so they brought their crime down. I think we don't, ha- where we have a real measurable impact on bicycle theft, so I don't get a whole lot of stats, but let's say for the whole country it's about mm. 130 bicycles stolen per uh, 100,000 population. Okay. Uh, that's nationally. Uh, but in Cavan and Monaghan, where we're the longest in operation, you are five times less likely to have your bicycle stolen than any other rural county and you're three times more likely to have it returned to you. Right, because of course there's that matching piece. So if it is taken, um, the guards can identify the air code at least it came from you have a chance to get them back. As long as you haven't claimed the insurance in the meantime, (laughs) in which case you've got yourself a dilemma. All right. And James, where can people find out more about uh, property marking and get involved with it maybe or bring their items for marking? So our our website is uh, propertymarking.ie. Uh, And I just like to, so we're five years in operation and what really accelerated our growth as a social enterprise was support from SEI. Uh, So they've supported over 500 social enterprises. Without their help, uh, we wouldn't be rolling out this national programme now. So I'd just like to acknowledge that. Uh, And secondly, uh, the Minister for Justice very kindly, as a result of all the supports we got from SEI, we now have got four-year government funding to roll this out all over the country. 
All right. So if people have a look at your website or maybe check in with their local authority, uh, they'll be able to get more information. Uh, yes, or the or local crime prevention officer, which is a, oh. which are located in every county uh, uh, in Ireland. All right. OK, well, listen, James, it sounds like a great idea and a very practical way of, of kind of maybe putting off the thief. Uh, James O'Neill, founder and CEO of Property Marking. Thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show. Many thanks to you too, Sinead. Now, coming up after the break, we'll be discussing what to consider if you're expecting extra guests to descend this Christmas. And as always, you can get your questions into us, email them, uh, your problems or queries to the home show at newstalk.com or text us with anything you like, really, at 53106 cent. Join me back here in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to the home show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. And yes, we do love a little bit of Dolly on the home show. We play her as often as we possibly can because it is that time of year and why not and our other little dolly is in studio, Denise O'Connor <laughs> from Optimise Design. You're very welcome back. Thanks, Janice. Uh, now, uh, lots of us are expecting uh, maybe guests to stay over Christmas. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that at least some of our children will arrive back, possibly with partners. And of course, you're thrown into then while well, you're delighted to see them. There's a little bit of a panic over the where they're going to sleep and where are the sheets and do I have enough towels and what yeah. am I going to do? So we thought we'd have you in to chat about all things uh, to do with guest rooms and guest. And we, some people, of course, might not have a guest room. They might just be shoveling camp beds into, you know, kids' rooms or whatever. Sure. But there are ways that we can kind of prepare our home or make it a little bit more welcoming when we do have people to stay. So you can you can do it with style. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose the first thing is, yeah, the guest room. Like often that's a room that you mightn't use very often. You might just keep the door shut. It might be full of stuff. It might um, be full of your summer stuff. Exactly. You know, yeah. Bags and shoes and and all suitcases kinds. Yeah. and yeah, things that you've been intending to get to. So the first thing would be just clear out that room, give it a good clear out. Great opportunity. You know, I love a declutter. So <laughs> great opportunity to kind of take stock of things that might have been building up, clear it out, and then just give the room a really good clean. Um, you know, make the bed, fresh towels, all that sort of thing. Um, a nice tip is give your guests some space to hang up clothes. So maybe a few hangers in the wardrobe, clear out a bit of space there or maybe a drawer in a chest of drawers or something like that. So just to make them feel as welcome as possible. I thought about doing that with mm. one child in particular, but she decided to live out of her suitcase for the fortnight. She OK, was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either way. I said, look, my cleared out beautiful <laughs> hangers, stresses. I, it's OK, mum, I have everything here. Um, so it, that, that doesn't always land. So, yes. So make sure that your guests know this is space they for you space. And, yeah. and you're not kind of trying to fit in your bits and bobs among all my summer dresses and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, now, things we can do kind of if we've last minute guests is it is a good idea, I presume it is, to always have spare linen, bed linen somewhere ready to go. Yeah, I think so. Like it's it's a good idea just to have spare sheets, spare towels, you know, all that stuff is ready just in case somebody comes or decides they need to stay over or whatever, whatever happens. So at least you're not sort of scrabbling around and, you know, it's easy to accommodate them. I think that that is a good idea. And of course, so many stores now from Ikea to Pennies have really kind of Absolutely. lovely, pretty, good yeah. quality, yeah. well, reasonable quality for guests. Yeah. Uh, linen. So buying a duvet and an extra pillowcase is, is really not very expensive. Not very expensive. And again, it's a great opportunity maybe go through what you have. Like all of us have lots of things. 
Um, you know, maybe some of them have seen better days. Good idea to, to get rid of stuff. So again, just look at what you have. Take stock. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and buy anything. Maybe it just needs a, a freshen up, a, mm. you know, wash them. Um, and maybe you have something you can use already. And there's great hacks that you can see like on TikTok and places like that about how to fold and store bedlin yes. into tiny little nearly envelope sizes and, yes, yes. and maybe keep it in the room for which it's intended rather than taking up your hot press. Sinead, I think that's a brilliant tip. You know, try and store bed linen for that actual bed in that room, if at all possible. So if you have space, it just makes it so much easier than sort of running around the house. And you you know yourself, you have different size beds Mm. and a lot of duvet covers that look the same. It's a nightmare trying to find which sheet. (laughs) And you can't find, yeah, the double, the single, the king size, the super king size. And you're thinking, crikey, which is the right one for this this particular room where you might just have a spare bed and you don't sleep in it yourself. Okay, all right. Now, uh, when we're when it comes to then entertaining guests and creating a nice atmosphere, what do you recommend? You're you're into the old the the, the names, the you know the, yeah, the old well, Victorian. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it's this. nice. Like I do this myself, so we would often host Christmas, and it's just a nice way of sort of giving everybody a seat. Everybody knows, you know, so just to avoid that, everybody standing around the table, unsure who should sit down first. I think yeah. if everybody has a little name tag, it's quite nice, you know, and it's nice to encourage maybe people who wouldn't necessarily sit together to to sit together. So that it's just a really easy, inexpensive way to. Do do something a bit and do you go for the special. kind of the boy girl boy girl or do, do, do you try and match people up based on topics they might be interested in or yeah I think are? it's nice just mix it up boy girl boy girl if you can um, and sometimes you know if you've older kids and stuff like that mix them in through the adults and things like that just so everybody gets to chat to everybody because sometimes it's hard at Christmas time you know to yeah. particularly if certain certain people are cooking or doing all of that prep stuff nice to be able to just uh Give everybody a spot where they're they're going to be able to chat. Okay, so preparing then for uh, more than you would normally have for mm. dinner. Uh, I know that um, you know one of the things that we have found very helpful over the years is to rent yeah. extra furniture, and mm-hmm. actually, it's much easier and cheaper than you would think. It's brilliant, and I do this myself. So you know, our table isn't quite big enough to accommodate everybody. So I'd I've hired a smaller table that I just tack onto the end, and then you can hire a giant tablecloth. And it's brilliant because then you just kind of fold it all up and give it all back. So you're not worried about washing tablecloths, washing... Spilling wine. Exactly. (laughs) Even things like um, napkins and stuff, you know, which can be a pain if you've got to wash them. The same goes for glasses, tableware, any of that kind of stuff. That can be great if you have a huge gang. So you just put them all back in the box and give them back. So you're not dealing with washing up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it is great. And also, I think you're not dealing with plastic because the alternative to providing loads and loads of glasses and plates is is to go out and buy polystyrene or plastic. Exactly. And not only is that expensive one use, but it's just dreadful for For the the environment. environment. Yeah. Uh, So hiring proper glass, proper cutlery, proper plates. And I think people like that, don't they? Ah, yeah, it's nice. And also takes the pressure off you feeling like you have to go out and buy a lot of stuff, which is very expensive, you know. Mm. So I think it's a great solution. Now, what are we going to do with all the guests now that we have them (laughs) (laughs) before they outstay their welcome? Yeah, well, I think one thing, if you're having people to stay, it's a great idea to plan a few activities. So just have an idea of things you can do to get out of the house because that'll just avoid that sort of, oh, you know, it can take its toll with shorter evenings and all the entertaining. So plan a few activities, I think, is a really good idea for everybody. Yeah, I think lots of people, and maybe it 
you know, maybe it's just me, but I think there's a lot of sense if you have people who are staying who who aren't family. So yeah. people maybe that you, you wouldn't normally have staying in your house mm-hmm. or not treating it like a home. Uh, there's that awkward thing in the morning. Do I get dressed? Do I come down in my pyjamas? <laughs> I'm expected to cook my own breakfast. What's going to happen? <laughs> Do you think it's a good idea like not quite organising an itinerary but saying to people we get up at nine and I'll be serving breakfast at ten for whoever's around. Yeah I think it kind (laughs) of is a nice idea but just say like breakfast. No but you know I suppose even if you're saying we've something planned and this is what we intend to do tomorrow or yeah and and I suppose if they know which bathroom to use and they know where the towels are and everything's there that they're not sort of you know tiptoeing around not unsure about what to do I think that makes it a lot easier yeah. as well Okay, we yeah. have we certainly have now when it comes to activities and that we have the old competitive Jenga which only ever comes out at Christmas yeah. Yeah. and I'm kind of glad because it can come, come to blows sometimes yeah. <laughs> you end up with rows instead <laughs> Absolutely. Of, instead of conducive yeah. guests alright yeah. okay well lots uh, to think about there and uh, do let us know if you are planning on having guests over and indeed if you have any dilemmas or problems that you want solved and we will have somebody in to talk about all that and maybe uh, give you a little bit of a steer on that. That's 53106 or the home show at newstalk.com. Uh, now, Denise, looking ahead, OK, mm-hmm. because it's hard to believe. Here we are again. It seems only five minutes ago the year started. I but know. here we are now coming into 2023. Uh, and there's lots of new starts and new trends and all that kind of thing that's coming down the line. So we asked you to go out and uh, grab your crystal ball mm-hmm. and give it an old polish and tell us what we can expect in terms of interiors now yeah, for 2023. No, it's an area that's really, really fascinating. And I think the thing about trends is you'll find that it often follows what's happening in the world. So one of the major things, I think, for everybody at the moment is some sort of stability, some sort of certainty, some kind of peace and tranquility. So really creating a calming, tranquil, relaxing atmosphere at home, I think is going to be really big next year, just somewhere where you can retreat what does that mean now, practically speaking? How can people, is that like the hugger thing? Yeah, a little bit. So I suppose comfort is important. Um, I think kind of pairing things back. So not so much minimalism, you know, not completely uh, uh, that sort of art gallery look, but just um, less clutter, um, more comfort, I think would be big. And then with colour palettes, really lovely, neutral, mm. natural, calming tones, so sort of soft beiges, greys, earthy tones, that sort of thing, um, just to create a lovely calming and tranquil atmosphere. And people are very interested in being more eco-conscious um, yeah. at the moment and yeah. maybe gearing their houses to be better equipped, not least because, you know, we have to try and cut back on energy costs and mm. all that kind of thing. Mm. So in terms of that, what do you see 2023 bringing? Because we're told this energy crisis is going to last yeah. right through to spring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and certainly interest rates are on the rise and mm. household costs are going to get Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I think anything people can do uh, to improve their home, to improve the energy efficiency of their home is definitely investment worth making. So mm. stuff like replacing windows, making sure your attic is insulated, mm. um, you know, even simple things like upgrading boilers, consider a heat pump, that sort of thing. Solar mm. panels are absolutely brilliant idea. So any of these energy efficiency measures that you can take are so worthwhile. There's plenty of government grants available. Um, all of the information is on the SEAI website. So there's great information there about how to avail of them, but also just making sure that you seek the right advice about what to do. So it's not something you should 
decide to go off and do yourself, really important to get an energy assessment done on your home first and get the right advice sure. about the correct measures for you. OK, now another thing that we've spoken about when you've been on the show throughout this year, mm-hmm. and it's about multi-purposing rooms yes. for different things. That's yeah. definitely here to stay. Oh, 100%. And it's it's really exciting to see how um, different companies are responding to this. So in terms of furniture that can, you know, multitask, even gym equipment that can multitask, so it can look like beautiful sort of sculptural pieces in your home but actually works as gym equipment too. Oh so right, for, yeah, climbing so for, frame instead of a plant pot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just, or even making some of these um, pieces of equipment look more attractive for people who've got smaller spaces. But I think things like lighting in particular has come on hugely. So, you know, and again, it's it's great from an energy efficiency perspective, so, sort of portable lamps that don't, you know, they're, they're either solar operated or battery operated that you can move around oh, the house. I see. OK. Yeah. And you, I've seen them under, stick them under the kind of the kitchen cabinets yes. to give you that down lighting. But, yeah. but you can use them elsewhere over Absol- pictures and things. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they, they're really beautiful pieces as well. So they can be used outside, inside, and they're effective enough to read by. So really, really worthwhile little investments that um, look great too. OK, and you don't need all the wiring that goes with no, them. No, exactly. Yeah, and you're not drawing on power. So it's literally just battery operated. And of course, people now are more inclined or likely to be working in a hybrid fashion rather than totally from home. Yeah. So they can repurpose a little bit of their home offices, maybe regain some of that space. Exactly, regain that space and just think about, well, you know, how else can I use this? Um, maybe I don't need a whole room for a home office. So clever little solutions where you could build in maybe something in a in a living room, joinery, like we've done lots of different solutions for people that can be completely closed off when you're not using them, but opened up and work perfectly as a, as a home office or study space when you need to. All right. OK, yeah. well, a lot of that is going to continue. We will await to see. I, I'm not sure we want too many surprises in 2023. No. We've had quite <laughs> enough this year. Uh, but uh, Denise O'Connor of Optimised Design, thank you for bringing us your, your trends. We'll have you back next year now at the end of the year and say, did all that work out? Yeah, exactly. We look back go. and see. Thanks, <laughs> All right. Lovely to have you once again on The Home Show, Denise. Thanks so much. And that is all we have time for on this week's show. It's been a packed agenda. I hope you enjoyed it uh, and learned a little bit as well. And if you'd like to get involved in the show, if you have a question for us, any topics or guests you'd like us to have on, well, do get in touch. We're always interested in hearing from listeners. You can drop us a text to 53106 or email us during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast of all of our greatest hits up on the Newstalk website. Thank you to Marisa Sullivan producing today with Steve Daunt on research and Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy on Sound. Anton Savage is up next and we'll do it all again next week.